0: awesome hey uh welcome back to discipleships.ca uh today i've got an interview with uh my good buddy gary um gary and i used to live in the same town in northern alberta and uh he is uh he is a south african dude who is like quite possibly the biggest and meanest and gentlest and kindest and most loving dude you could ever ever meet so uh thanks for joining us gary um question for you what is like you want to just kind of lay, give a lowdown of what it is that you do as far as ministry right you're part of uh discipleship motorcycle club right probably yeah, have- that, so um
1: i think the last time me and you spoke i was recently made a full patch in disciple christian motorcycle club and over the last three years um I I moved up in in the leadership of the club, and today I'm serving the club as the national president in Canada for the Cyber yeah. Christian Motorcycle Club. Yeah.
0: So you live in northern Alberta, so lots of snow. So this means you ride your motorcycle like a wild man across North America all summer, spring, and fall, and then yeah. in the winter you just like wish that it was summer, spring, or fall. So that kind of helped. Yeah,
1: then, yeah <laughs> then then the MCQ but now back means Motor Car Club. <laughs> so yeah. then we switched that. But yeah, we, uh, you know, um, last year I put 20,000 miles for American listeners or 32,000 kilometers on a motorcycle in uh, something like 18 weeks.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. So, so we yeah. have a bunch of listeners that kind of like, we don't, I mean, we have a bunch of listeners, but. We got a bunch like we got some South Africans, some Australians, uh, some some folks kind of spattered through South America and and Europe. Discipleship uh, Christian Motorcycle club, club is this is a worldwide thing, right? Like you guys are more than yeah. just Canada in the U.S., right? So Disciple Christian Motorcycle Club started 15 years ago in the U.S.
1: and today we believe we are the largest Christian motorcycle club in the globe. We are all on all the continents. We have supporters literally on every continent except for the South Pole and Antarctica. Yeah, so
0: hard to ride yeah. motorcycles where there are no roads.
1: Right. Well, yeah, not.
0: you can just ride off-road. So that there you go. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay, hey, so real quick, just for people who are listening, can you give a bit of your faith story, like how you? How'd you come to be a believer? And your story, I got to be honest, is pretty, pretty fantastical. It starts in South Africa, ends up in England, then in Canada. Now you're, you know, uh, an ambassador, a a disciple making evangelistic guy on a motorcycle all over the world. Um, How'd you get here? How'd you get here today the way you are? Oh man, (laughs) how much time do we have? Um, I'll, I'll 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 give you six minutes for this one.
1: Okay, I'll try and do it before we get to the top floor in the elevator. Um, so yeah, raised raised by missionaries in South Africa. My dad met my mom in a in a Zulu mission. Um, I never knew them outside of ministry. It was always you know busy, busy, busy. I was always the pastor's kid that got told by the local cop, "You're the pastor's kid. You shouldn't be doing that." And I was like, "Hold on to your hat. I'm no pastor," you know. Um you know, and I being raised in the church, I think at some point you take on your parents' faith and you know, so went through catechisms, went through confirmation, raised in the Dutch Reformed Church. Uh my dad served in missions 27 years before he served the church as in a congregation formally again. Yeah, you know, but always, you know, had the headwind of um you're the pastor. If you don't preach this message, I'm going to stop tithing. And dad was always the guy that said, well, I work for Jesus, not for money. So you feel free to be disobedient with your money. So I ended up in a boarding school because in South Africa, mom and dad were transferred from city to city and place to place quite a bit. And uh, I ended up in a boarding school in high school, you know, and I did the I want to say the churchy things. I was in the students' council for Bible study and stuff, but never followed the Lord. I partied like a rock star, you know, chased woman. I was a rugby player. So for the South African listeners, you know, I was a number eight in the first team of Ivy League school. So, um, it, you know, I was a bit of a jock in American terms. You know, I was, yeah. I was the guy that I did what I want, when I want, as much as I want. I was, I was that kid. Not very strong academically, so I ended up finish, finishing my trade in South Africa. And while I was finishing my trade in South Africa, I, I jacked up one of my dad's cars in a car accident. Um, had life-threatening injuries, and I knew my dad prayed this prayer of, Lord, if my son still has work in this world, please save his life. Because it was pretty grave injuries. Um, woke up. You know, 18 days later, out of an induced coma, knew about the prayer all my life. And I ended up in England. Chose not to follow the Lord, even though I knew the prayer. And my, it's quite interesting because my dad sat at my hospital bed and he read a proverb a day or a psalm a day. And um, it was interesting that he used that. And I, I'm just laying there in pain thinking, just get out of my room. I'm done with your preaching. It didn't work, you know. Anyway, so in England, I, I, and I went to put distance between me and the church. I just wanted to go party, chase women and, you know, and, uh, work nightclubs. And in England, I, I worked my way up in the security industry. Um, nightclub bouncer, civilian contractor for security. Um, and in one of my, one of my, adventures as a nightclub balancer one of my sister's university friends um, showed up at the nightclub i was working at and uh she you know one thing led to another and all of a sudden we all danced drank coffee together and bought each other ice cream and on a sunday she goes hey we should go to church and i was like well no how about we don't you know Anyway, long story short, in that, in that church, uh, one of the associate pastors started bugging me. And um, he was like, hey, man, you should come to this men's conference. And my dad I will say this, my dad trained and, and educated us. You don't lie and you don't steal. But I could honestly tell this pastor, hey, man, bouncers work Friday and Saturday nights. I won't be making no men's conference over a weekend. Um, sorry, I can't yeah. be there. Right. <laughs> and uh, he kept asking, like this was weeks in advance. And about two weeks before the men's conference, the nightclub owner that I was doing security for came up to me and he said, Hey, man, we're going to do one of these extreme makeovers, refurbish the bar. And uh, it's going to be this weekend of the men's conference. We're going to start Thursday and we're going to go till Sunday. But Sunday night, you better be ready because we're going to have a grand opening and a big reveal Piccadilly Circus, London, England. So I was like, sweet, I have the weekend off. And then I go to church that Sunday and Pastor Mark is in my face. And he's like, hey, Gary, are you coming to the men's conference? And I was like, oh, sucks. No, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I am. In fact, I can't afford it, but I am coming because our boss just told us our bar is closed that weekend. So um, I end up at this men's conference and. uh, Man, it. You know, it was high. It is an Hillsong Church conference, so you know it's high energy. It's mm-hmm. really good music, really good um, choreograph, everything. Yeah. And this guy from Abundant Life Church from Bradford in England is the keynote speaker the Friday night, and uh, he said something along these lines. He said. There's somebody here tonight whose dad prayed this prayer over his life, that if there was still work for him, uh, please save my son's life. And I just feel in my spirit that you didn't hold up your end of the deal when he saved your life. Hmm. And my first response was, Dad, you um, silly old man. I probably didn't use that language, but let's go with that for the podcast purposes. I was like, you silly old man. Why would you call Paul Scanlon from Abundant Life Church and set yeah. it up? <laughs> right. And that night on the train, I went home, uh, you know, back to my girlfriend. And uh, at the time, and uh, I, on the train, it dawned on me that I haven't spoken to my dad in like, at that time, probably four years. I, because I just ignored him. If I called home, because he always wanted to preach at me, I would just go. Like he also, also always answered the phone, being the pastor in the office. Um, I would just go, Hey Dad, is mom there? You know? And he would just go, Yeah, I'll call mom. And then he'll call mom and I'll talk to mom. And I I realized that there's no possible way that a Dutch Reformed pastor from a missionary background will be sharing any, you know, this is pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, would be having contact with Paul Scanlon from Abundant Life Church in Bradford, England. You yeah. know, Yeah. And my dad doesn't know I go to church at the time. So, <laughs> haven't told him, right? So, anyway, um, the Saturday, um, I was going to be gone before Paul Scanlon wrapped up the weekend. But his flights or his traveling plans changed, and he ended up on stage 10 o'clock Saturday morning. And he was like, I still think you're here, and I still, I just believe that you didn't choose last night. And I, you know, at, at that point, I have to be really honest, man, up until very lately, I was very resistant to people that speak a word or share yep. a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. I was like, eh. I think you're just making stuff up and in a room full of, you know, 3000 people, you're most, you're most likely to hit some keynotes, right? Right. And, uh, at that, at that point, I, I just broke down. You know, the Holy Spirit just filled me up and I knew it was me that he was, well, I knew it was me that he was talking about. And I just decided that it will never be, you know, it will never be half ass. It will never be half measure. It will just be, you know, Full bore, full speed, full throttle. I <laughs> might screw up along the way and I'll apologize and I'll just keep going.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. and you, you know, what? honestly, yeah. that's the only Gary that I know, right? Because I haven't, like, in your story, we <laughs> haven't met yet, but I've only met the <laughs> Gary that is full out,
1: right? Yeah. Praise God you didn't meet the Gary that went to church that Friday night. <laughs> just say <so laughs> that.
0: Yeah. yeah. So yeah. then you... Three Friday
1: night, you don't want to know me, man. It was all, you know in the
0: in the street terms of hookers and blow and whatever else goes you know
1: yeah it's just yeah. go 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 yeah. yeah you've
0: got you've got some pretty gary's got some pretty crazy stories we could just talk about his stories forever but uh, <laughs> you know, like high speed driving through russia yeah. traffic uh in like the like the jason Bourne james bond kind of car motorcades spending all night at the bouncer at the club with a stab vest on showing up at the church, needing a new shirt because he's going to be the bouncer protecting the, uh, the Hillsong offering. Like the, the stories that Gary tells are like the stuff of movies. Um, let's fast forward. How did like discipleship, uh, Christian motorcycle club, how did you, what what was the draw to you for
1: this? So, um, growing up in South Africa, you know, at age 14, we can start riding a motorcycle to school. Um, and for many, many guys at the age of, I would say, 16, you probably own either a 50cc or a 125cc, uh, some form of dual-sport motorcycle, because you're too yeah. lazy to pedal a bike. Yeah. And you're and it's hot there, um, so why would you want to you know, pedal? Right? And um, you're too lazy to walk, that's for sure. Cool kids don't walk. And uh, so, anyway... You know, and it becomes primary transport. Like from age 16, you kind of just grow into it, right? And so in South Africa, I had a motorcycle and um, enjoyed it, loved it, laid it down, made a mess, you know. Um, and uh, then in England, I had a motorcycle for a very short stint. But, you know, it was just easier to get around in England on a bike than a taxi or a car. And, um, but it's also very expensive in England because it's not as, I guess, as popular in a developing country. It's, it's more of a, a luxury thing in England, especially if you have a little bit of money and you, you know, smirk your nose up at the 125 Dual Sport yeah. bike you had in South Africa. Anyway, so, um, I moved to Canada in 2005 with my wife and, um, and man, we when we first came here, it was just opportunity, right? Just blessing upon blessing. Like if you could chew gum and walk straight at the same time in Alberta, they would pay you 30 bucks an hour. Yeah. Just, you know, she's a my wife's a doctor, and um she's so she makes good money. And here, for the first time in my life, it basically any direction I can spit on making money, I end over first, and yeah. And so in my spiritual walk, I would say I probably cooled off a little bit from what I was the year before in England, right? Yeah, and uh, got involved with the church and try and find a fit and try and find guys to spur each other on, and I just didn't find it, so I just kept chasing money. You know, hot shots with the rigs and yeah, work on the rigs, and pretty soon I I saw the shift um, of me shifting away from the church but this deep desire that i know i got work for god to do right yeah um you were here when we did the men's conferences yep. and amazing times spiritual eyes for sure and uh you know um and i'm just searching and i'm just like god how can i maintain that pace 365 24 7 and one day just shortly after my wife had my daughter joanna catherine i'm like honey I want to buy a motorcycle. And she was like, heck no, never. <laughs> I put, you know, I put all the Humpty dumpties back together again that rides motorcycles. And, uh, I had that bad accident where the motorcycler T-boned yeah. me in an intersection and killed himself. And, uh, then it was like, heck no, you know, times two. And, uh, in 2016, one day I, I pulsed my wife again on a bike that I saw that was really cheap for what I saw in the picture. And, and I was like, honey, I really want to buy this motorcycle. And, you know, I, I really think it will be therapy for me. That was the justification. And this is yep. my, my wife in her infinite wisdom said, if you show me how you're going to serve the kingdom with a motorcycle that's only going to work five months of the year, um, I might consider it. So I reached out to a bunch of organizations. Some came back at me, some didn't. And then I met this guy that was in the program with Disciple Christian Motorcycle Club at a bike night. And he was like, you should check out the motorcycle club. And I was like, heck no, I don't do motorcycle clubs. Yeah. But then I secretly started ghosting them on Facebook and found the heart of the founder, James Johnson. And that was just amazing. Uh, it's like, you know... My dad was very ill at the time. The last time I saw him, he was bedridden with Parkinson's. But I trust my dad's just judgment. And I remember him just before we came back to Canada from that holiday. Um, dad called me into the room. He's like, so what do you think about this James Johnson guy? He used the word character. But I was like, what do you mean, Dad? He goes, son, if I've ever seen a ministry that moves at the pace you want to move. I think this is a track that you might find what you're looking for. And, man, I can tell you, after reaching out to James and to through the website and stuff, man, it was just boom, boom, boom. I found a bunch yes. of men that came from similar backgrounds and similar pasts, not afraid to talk about their downfalls, yep. but so blessed that we get to share the grace of Christ and um, talk about that in, you know in a place in the world where where uh i think let's just say average few going churchgoers probably won't have anything or right to say anything you know like they yeah. won't have the relationships that it takes to speak there so yeah exactly yeah and i love I mean, it i love it man that everywhere yeah. i go i find hurting people and you know some of them were hurt by the church and some of them believe yeah. they were hurt by the church and and It's like, listen, man. There's rotten apples in every box, but it's still we still have to eat an apple a day. So you might as well look for the good ones if you find a bunch of rotten ones, right? So
0: exactly. Yeah. I still remember having you guys come. This is shortly after you were into the club, but you came to summer camp. The one night I was speaking at camp for with the, for teenagers, and Gary and about four or five guys come and they've got their vests and their patches and they I mean, you could hear you guys coming for a long way away with the bikes and then you come in and you just tell the kids like, no, you're going to read your Bible every day and you're going to pray every day. And you're going to like, you're going to take this serious or we're going to find you. <laughs> yeah. And my, yeah. my, my, my youngest son still talks about that. That was like yeah. six years ago. And he's still talking about when Gary showed up with all the bikers, man. Like I, like, I don't want them to find me at, not living out my walk of faith, right? So he's he takes it serious. So the the why I wanted to have you come on to our podcast, discipleship.ca, is that first word in the in the in the motorcycle club, disciple. Now, now that you guys have a massive mission to see men take faith seriously and to do something on mission with this whole deal, what is the like motorcycle club wise, what is the push? in discipleship that you guys have
1: man we are just here to disciple men to have a daily word of prayer time yeah um and to and to support the one percent world in prayer yeah you know and i the disciple men to have a daily word of prayer time is internal that's the men that come to us that want to be in a motorcycle club if you want to be part of this motorcycle club you are going to believe in jesus christ you're going to believe in the conception of the holy spirit through the Mother Mary, you know the death and resurrection, and yeah. you're going to believe that that Jesus is coming back for us, and you're going to tell people about that, right? Really? So yeah. that's that's the discipling within, and then outwards is obviously in our game. People go down, end up in hospital, and believe it or not, tough guys get cancer and end up in hospital and go through tough times, divorce, um, bankruptcy, you name it, addiction, yeah. and um, that's that's a place where civilians don't have access to serve because in our circle trust is often yeah. not common among the brothers it is but yeah. we don't trust anyone outside the circle so yeah. um if you have trust issues like me it's a good circle to be in and uh it's uh yes it's just amazing you know we we get to walk guys through marriage counseling we get to walk guys through addiction counseling um, and celebrate victories over those things. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's, That's what it's, we do, man. It's crazy the the stories that uh, uh, you get. Like I follow you on Facebook. The Groot, uh, you know your your club name is Groot. like yeah. Marvel Tree. Because Gary, how tall are you? Six foot seven. Six foot seven, and what do you weigh again? Like- uh. Give people a I do like to talk about these things publicly, but I, I right. think last time I checked, I was like three three thousand Yeah, there you go. So Gary is your average NFL football lineman. Like he is <laughs> a big dude, and and honestly, you know, you can throw the numbers out, but the six foot seven means you look at your average door frame, and Gary fills it to the top, and then you know physically he is an imposing impressive dude and one of the stories that i love the most about you is uh, you were working at the summer camp you told these uh, young kids like if i see you doing something wrong in town like i'm getting out of my vehicle and i'm correcting this situation and gary actually was at a stoplight and he saw a young man getting a little handsy with a young girl and gary gary had uh told the girl that he was going to look after her, and Gary was stepping out of the vehicle and taking care of this, this situation by saying like, you know what, it's time for you to move your hands from that spot of that girl, or I'm going to move them for you. And that was before he oh. was the, the motorcycle club, which uh, that's just Gary's heart right, to care for people. And and that's an amazing thing um, uh, that I, that I love about Gary. Um, so you've, you've mentioned, um, uh, President of the club and his name just slipped out of my mind. But I'm thinking National about, President for Canada? Yeah. Oh, James no, Johnson. James, okay. that's it. Yeah. He's got that book, right? The discipleship book, yeah. the three-legged stool. Yeah. Exactly. Four kind legs. Four
1: legs.com. Yeah, yeah. Four
0: legs.com. Yeah, yeah, and I know that's something you guys uh as a club kind of promote and, yeah. and use in your, your process. Um here's yep. the biggest question I wanted to bring you got you on and say if there's people listening who, you know, and you mentioned the one percenters and that's just so for people that don't know, the one percenters are the patched members of clubs that you would see on the road. So, you know, we're talking about the, the clubs like um, Hell's Angels would be one. Um, There's all of the affiliate clubs that all kind of play out the world. When you see somebody rolling down the road, and they got the one big center patch and they got the the nameplate above and the nameplate below oftentimes those those guys are part of the the 1% world, right? Yeah. Um, so you try to you try to be available to to those guys without being involved in all the some of the dubious stuff that those guys are in. Uh, you try to meet them at, in their world, which turns into a bit of a problem in churches I know at times because then, you know, good Good Christian folk look at you going, I don't know if, how to take this, um, how to how to accept these bikers in. How could yeah. the local church help you doing this ministry the most? Well, so, so you being a pastor,
1: you know how, how tough it is to be in full like I'm in full-time ministry now. I yeah. I have no I have no income from my club. I have to raise my own in I have to raise my own funds to um, To do my ministry, right, and I'm not asking anyone to buy me a meal. I'm happily married to a girl that's quite capable financially, but 32,000 kilometers a year costs money, yep. and um, you know. So, if people want to partner with me to, you know, to buy me a a tire or a oil change or whatever, I definitely have ways set up now through my through my local church that supports me and um you know they can give to that church just like they give to your church and they could um get the tax benefits in Canada and all that stuff um I'm not hiding from it it's it it costs a lot of money to put that kind of miles on and um but I want to ensure you that the love is just to teach people those four legs and just start digging into God for themselves and not just take my opinion or anybody else's opinion about it, but read it for yourself. Um, and then stop judging us, man. Like if you see us, if you see us out and about, I mean, Disciple Christian Motorcycle Club has a pretty clear patch. It says Disciple at the top with a cross in the middle and yep. Christian at the bottom, and it it has an MC cube on the back. And you know, we we are full time missionaries in this world, in this yep. motorcycle club world, and, and Pray for us, you know, um, get in touch with us, support our content on Facebook. If you want, um, go check out James Disciple Johnson's public page. He talks about us all the time there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, just know that we're a bunch of broken men that found Christ and we are pointing other broken men towards Christ, you know?
0: Yeah. That's a good thing. And I know for me, like, um, I ran into, I think, what was his name? Moose. I was sitting at McDonald's having a coffee with another pastor and I look out the window and there's a guy with, uh, with the club patch on sitting at his motorcycle all alone. And I'm like, no, I'm going out there to pray for this guy. Um so I went out and and prayed for uh, for Moose and told him to text Gary and let him know that he met me and and uh it's the opportunity right that we have it to come alongside you is just when we see you guys out there I mean I I think I I think I paid for Moose's coffee or at least tried to and and just prayed with him as he went down the road um I'm all I love your heart for ministry Gary and that's one of the things that I wanted to bring you on and and just kind of talk about how you reach out and I'm so happy that you kind of laid out some ways that people can get, get in touch with you uh, and the club, because I think there's a lot more people that are uh, in and around the motorcycle uh, world and culture that, that need to hear people saying, look, we'll, we'll go into the deepest, darkest corners of the motorcycle world. And, and we're bringing Jesus with us, Um, you know, not because you think you need to, but because Jesus has called you to. Right. You you're you're responding to that call of ministry um in your life that Christ has laid on you. And I, I love your heart. I love uh I love being able to have a conversation with you and, and hear what you're doing. Um and so yeah, I'm, I'm super super excited that you came and joined us today. And hopefully uh we are able to connect you to a few people. Um that yeah, I
1: appreciate that. Man. Yeah,
0: and that's that's the yeah, hope, right? Is that, that we can just just get you a, a little more exposure in the church world, and your word on don't judge these guys is is a good thing. Um, when I we were in the same town, I always tried to be as helpful as I could because I knew you were going to reach guys that I couldn't, and uh, even you know Bear had me come and do that that funeral. Uh, that was before the club, but it was I mean it was an eye opening experience for me to sit with uh, you know one hundred and fifty. Guys that were in, uh, you know, the Hells Angels and and a few of different clubs in the area that were all connected during a funeral. And I mean, those guys kept asking me, what do I have to do to get right with God? <laughs> I'm like, OK, I don't even know right. how to process this, but these guys want to know that. Yeah. Right? So it's it's yeah. fantastic that you're right. in. The- I mean, one of the one of the common
1: questions I get, Steve, is if, if your Jesus is real, do you think he would have come to my clubhouse? Yeah, and I'm like, dude, if I rode if I rode into Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and there was a flashing sign that said Jesus Christ is in town, I'd probably start looking at the clubhouses before I drove over
0: to any yeah. denominational well, church. we just you did know, a pod where we talked um, about Matthew coming to Christ uh, in the Book of Matthew, and and the first thing he did as a tax collector was throw a party that the town knew about, right? Like, why are you with the sinners right. The collectors, right? And that's I I totally I totally agree with that. So. Even in the context of what I do here, you know, a few few months back I had a guy who was a patched member of the Hells Angels come in. We had a few counseling sessions and he received Christ. It's it's God is at work in the most I just want to tell I just want to tell the listeners
1: this. If we for one moment think those guys don't read the Bible, we're fools. Yeah. We just are. Yeah. Those guys consume information at a phenomenal rate. Like I, I'm starting to consume information at that rate because I have to keep up with all the other information. But I'm telling you, I can't go to a clubhouse without some form of question around, hey, I read this. What do you believe about this? Or they quote a verse in a conversation. And I'm like, it's interesting that you quote that verse because, you know, and it's interesting how the Holy Spirit works. Often it's like something I just read in devotions last Wednesday and here we are yes. Friday night in a clubhouse. And some guy quotes, quotes the verse. And, I, and I, I think if we pay attention to the Bible, and you will know this because you've interacted a little bit with club guys. Um, we see a lot of similarities in the club world about, about the Bible. You know, Jesus yes. had a small group of tight yeah. friends. Yeah. That wasn't a bunch of pastors and apostles when he met them. They yeah. were fishermen and sailors and tax collectors and all the things that wasn't very well accepted in society or the temple. Right. Yeah. And um and that and that kind of connection, I can't deny that. Like Jesus connected with everyone. Who am I to decide this guy is above me or this guy is below me? I can't talk to this guy. They man. I like, I tell, I tell um, members in motorcycle clubs all the time. I was going to hell in a handbasket before I encountered Christ, yeah. and he became a relationship rather than a religion. Yeah. So it's, um, it's so true, man. So when I say don't judge us, pray for us. Yep. Remember, if you see us in big packs and stuff, we're probably raising money for either a fallen rider. A family that lost a dad or a grandpa or an uncle or um, an illness or a children's hospital because somebody's kid is going through a battle with cancer or whatever it is kids struggle with these years, these days. Um, if you see us in a big pack, that's what we're doing. That There's no scaling, nothing going on. Yeah. We are supporting one another because that's where, you know, you put your money where your mouth is and that's it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. a really good thing, you know. I, I, will, I will dial back to the book, The Four Legs that you mentioned. You know, that was just four legs when I came up. But when James wrote the book, he wrote it because he's seen what the four basic principles of the four legs did to men that came to our club. Yeah. Because men were, you know, if I talk to other guys in the world, the, the conversation is obvi- very often and very obvious going to be, what did you read in the Word today? Yeah. Right? Um, what are you listening to for music? What are you consuming for worship? Right? Yeah. And, um, you know, are you fasting and praying about the things you're facing? And uh, what are you doing with your time, talent, and treasure? Right. You know, and that's that stuff. when you... I know it sounds a little bit religious, but it's not. Once that becomes your DNA, you change. I don't care who you are. Yeah. You change when you become a generous follower of Christ that is serious about, about what you consume for music and what you read yep. for truth. So, yeah.
0: I, tell, I, I As yeah. a youth pastor, I told that to youth all the time. What do you have your alarm set to wake up to? Are you letting the radio station pick what you wake up to, or are you picking the song that you wake yeah. up to? It's the first right. thing you hear in the day, and then you choose that. You can choose that all day long. What is what is it yeah. that you you put into your head? Uh, the time, talent, treasure thing. Like I've actually read a bunch of uh, the Four Stools or Four Legs book, and uh, yeah. it's 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 literally not much different than the gospel message that we use in church, right? It's The context is a little different because of the motorcycle club, but this is what uh, we—this is what faith is about. It's—it's getting these pieces all together, not so that we look good, but rather so that we fall right. And so,
1: um,
0: something—something that
1: I will point out is, I have a brother in the club. He coined the term that said, "The committed makes time; the interested makes excuses," and um, it's so true. Because when I was interested in Christ and what he could do for me, I had all the excuses not to go to church. Because I was good, right? I said the little prayer, remember? And um, when I became committed and I was starting to look for excuses on, you know, not to do the other things that distract me, I will say this, the first time I heard, James Johnson teach the four legs. He said this about worship music. He said, all music is worship music, but not all music worships the God, the father almighty. That's the, that's the truth. And it probably took me four days to get rid of the playlists that I have been building since the first phone was capable of the first iPod or MP3 Uh, player, or whatever the technology was. It probably took me four days to get rid of the, the junk uh, you know yeah. from dogs running away for four days to beds of roses and you pick your yeah. topic right it's like yeah. uh, now i'm showing my age but <laughs> it's um it's uh when i started consuming good christian lyrics from as old as i surrender all and it is good it is well with my soul to whatever it is, um, third day, and the guys are putting out now. It's my life has changed because I just don't consume the the, the world and its news anymore. Yeah. I know there's good news. I know through Christ there's hope. It doesn't matter who lives in the White House or in Ottawa or whatever. It's, it doesn't matter who the president is. If Jesus is in you and you are consuming everything that He teaches. We are hope. Awesome. That is a perfect
0: place to it's end. Awesome.